Hello and welcome to Rule of Carnage. Uh, this is an internet series where we talk about designing better miniature games. We have been doing that for some time and ye gods, it looks like we will not stop. Um, uh, Glenn and I were just chatting off camera about something that's near and dear to my heart, which is having my games succeed in some small way and not be immediately squashed on release and i'm not this time around talking about global pandemics but i've got a game that we've talked about a few times on this uh, channel called hobgoblin which is a game of brutal fantasy battles uh, which i'm completely open and not shy about saying is you know my a long time ago probably sort of nine or eight or nine years ago reaction to playing a ton of Warhammer fantasy battle that you know that lodestone of square base fantasy battles for nine on 30 years before they knocked it on the head and so I wrote that game and it sat around for a while not getting uh not getting developed and not getting published and then a couple of years ago um through the blaster connections Greg Horton and I teamed up to put together a beautiful new illustrated you know, fully playtested, fleshed out with a fantasy world for it to uh, to reside in and exude. Uh, and that has been through a successful Kickstarter. And I just really definitely this time finished the manuscript and it's off to be printed and there'll be physical books arriving in places, um, you know, hopefully before my birthday next year. You don't know where my birthday is, so I'm not making a date commitment. Um, <laughs> but in all of that time between... Uh, having a game and languishing with a game and then realizing I still wanted to make the game and getting the damn thing made. Um, at, at the time of recording, everyone just started publishing content about Warhammer the Old World because Games Workshop done re-released that thing that's been away for whatever it was, nearly 10 years. Yeah. And so I am sitting here somewhat thoughtful about having a game that allows you to play rank and flank fantasy battles uh, that was that was sort of kickstarted in a in a situation where we we kind of knew old world was coming but it was still fantasy haha and now it's real and now people can play it and you know whether or not it's exactly the game for you whether or not the support will be long term or short term whether or not you like the lumpy old models uh, all of that set aside it's like it sort of raises a question for me that I was throwing at Glenn, which is like, it's easy to get, it's easy to get carried away when you're a small scale indie creator with what might be possible with your games. And then it's easy to get knocked on the head and realize, ah, oh, like my place in this ecosystem is quite specific. And so I guess I'm, I'm the way I want to frame this conversation is like, as an indie creator, how do you deal with being an operator in this ecosystem and how do you kind of fight for your piece of turf and what's the right way to think about that and what are some you know what are some ways that we have sort of thought about this um i haven't been because i don't have infinite amounts of money uh, i haven't been buying all of the ash wastes necromunda stuff but like they keep releasing more and more cool vehicles for that game and people keep telling me that like there's rolling road scenarios and you can play mad max combat and stuff in it and i'd love to play that game because i want to find out if it is doing gaslands things or if it is doing something completely different because there's potentially another place where you know everyone playing road rash and mad max with necromunda is like a, a gaslands player i've lost or are they like is that the wrong way to think about this i don't know <laughs> 
Glenn, hit me. I mean, it, it, it's tough because it's like, you know, everything exists within a world of sort of healthy competition and like, I mean, you know, in re- in respect for Gaslands, I remember like when we were at the UKGE where Gaslands won the uh, People's Choice and Judges' Choice Award, um, <laughs> there was like a guy from... Um, uh, a, a rival sort of, uh, you know, Mad Max style miniatures racing game who came over partway through the day and basically said to us, okay, guys have been coming by buying our minis and our minis come with like stack cards for our game and they take the stack cards out and pass them back to us and go, I'm playing Gaslands with this. And then like walking off to your still. And so it's like, you know, if your game's successful, it's it's eating somebody's lunch somewhere. You know what I mean? It's like your your game is not a sort of it's not going to be a one hundred percent unique snowflake. Um, even if it's doing something clever and special, it's going to be doing it in a certain genre or a certain shape. And somebody else is failing to get their thing out there and working because your thing is doing doing well. Um, so. It is, like you say, an ecosystem where it's like, you know, where are you? And I guess the real question is, it's like, are you really in competition with Games Workshop? Mm. Is, is Mike Hutchinson actually in competition with Games Workshop? Is Mike Hutchinson, is, is Hobgoblin in competition with the old world? Probably not. Is Hobgoblin in competition with Kings of War? Eh, might be. Is it in competition with Saga Age of Magic? I think maybe... I don't I don't really think that Hobgoblin is you know got the same demographic as Games Workshop. I think the sorts of people who pick up something like Hobgoblin are the sorts of people who own more than one rule book. Um maybe I don't know because there's system. because I think that the Venn diagram of like you know it it's it's not as true like there used to be more more sort of other companies that were kind mm. of we could talk about as like there's GW and there's you know there's also you know Privateer and there's Fantasy Flight and like oddly that seems to sound more hollow these days like it it really is it's like GW's doing a fantastic job with an enormous range of games and they filled up a lot of the design space where like you know if you want a sci-fi skirmish game, they offer that. If you want a fantasy skirmish game, they offer that. If you want an army game for either of those, they offer it. If you want, you know, post-apocalyptic skirmish, they've got that. Like, they're just filling up all of these little niches with these product lines, which with these games that are fine. And I quite like learning about the GW games and playing them to find out, like, what is the experience they're delivering so that I, as an indie creator, can create a different experience where it's like oh okay so if if there's something about this game that you didn't like or there's something about this game that this game doesn't provide for you or that you know there's there's going to be negative space in that design or in what the community is looking for i mean like an obvious example for you know hobgoblin and and the old world is you know the old world has made for an, a number of reasons that you know we can't know but we can guess at it's made some decisions about which warhammer factions to include and which to leave behind and so if you have a skaven army which i do you can't play the old world with that skaven army there actually there might be a pdf coming but the point being that like they're going to have to make some decisions about what is and isn't in the scope of their games Mm. and one of the things that 
you and I do as independent creators is is lean towards much more permissive, miniature permissive systems simply because it's in our interests to do so and it solves problems like this. So in some regards, like as a as a creator of not miniatures, you've got one answer to this question, which is well I can I can I can broaden the catchment across these things. But also as just a creator of like games with or without miniatures it's about i don't know i feel like it's about finding the negative design space i mean i think there's a certain amount of that i think there's it's like i was watching an interview a little while ago with the guy who used to um run like uh product design for all the accessories and paints and all that sort of stuff for gw and they were talking about why gw has never done like a full airbrush or a mm. set of airbrush paints and what he was, what he was saying was that they think of it as a hobby trumpet there's like a big opening bit where people come in and then it sort of narrows out and then there's these people down this end that like hardcore and stick in and we said was is fundamentally we we've 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 given up on those guys down that yeah. far end they're not our people we care about the people at the mouth of the trumpet and the reason we don't you produce an airbrush is the guys down there are the only guys using an airbrush and they're not going to use our airbrush anyway it's totally pointless it's a waste of time you know we're making you know little paint kits that jimmy can take home and paint because that's our target yeah 100 percent. and i think that's that's where like as an independent creator of like you know use the word bef before we we started boutique games it's like how i like to imagine myself like that that idea is absolutely right and it's why i get I get a bit defensive when when creators of miniature games of any sort get sniffy about Games Workshop. Like, you mm. know, like I don't have to have an enormous education funnel for what miniature games are. Yeah. I can rely on mana from heaven raining down out of the bottom of this, this sales funnel that GW's created and has an enormous you know, retail footprint to do. So they can educate Jimmy, age 11, about why toy soldiers are cool and why they are as relevant as video games. And then as Jimmy gets further down that funnel, you know, lots of his friends will will not get any further and will paint three, you know, Dark Elder and, and give up. Hmm. And 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 the people that drip down the the bottom as highly refined, distilled, you know, war game connoisseurs and long term committers to this as their identity and hobby, like they will find the fine blended whiskey that is our products. And yeah, that's who that's who we're selling to. Yeah. And the idea that we're in competition with those other people, it's like, well, the place where it goes wrong is that where you've got clubs and groups of friends who want the they want the stability of a game existing and they want the the, the patter of, of new releases and meta changing stuff to keep the conversation flowing. That's like where I can struggle to as an indie creator with the hours in the day that I have to like <clears throat> give them enough to mean that like Gaslands or A Billion Suns keeps keeps, you know, forcing its way back into their eyeline or back up the queue rather than playing the next, you know, big big expansion or new army book or whatever i know but i mean my feeling on that sort of thing is yeah but you you will always be you know struggle to to supply the churn on that sort of thing even if gw didn't exist and if no other game in the world existed you'd still struggle to sort of 
keep new shiny sort of toy syndrome for certain people i suppose i suppose if you weren't fighting a single product line you'd be fighting the noise that is the mm. rest of the industry everyone's about to release something yeah and absolutely and i think as as you know once once you accept where you really are in the ecosystem of like creators and things and you realize that something like gw produces like you know editions and in between editions, there's this little bit of fallout where people have, are waiting for the new edition to really kick in or they've gotten bored of the old edition. And the fallout of people around that edition change is worth more to you of people who are like, oh, I've got a bunch of minis. I'm a bit off with the current rule set. What's about? Oh, this will do. I think is worth more than you than, than the competition that you're not really in GW with over is do you know what i mean that it's like literally just the runoff between the the sort yeah, of so pra practically speaking turn. like if you want to sell a sort of squad platoon sort of small army level sci-fi game the best time to do that would be in about three years time when hmm. the end of 10th edition is obvious and people are nervous about 11th and you get your game out 11th comes out people are like wow they've ruined my thing and they are looking around for other or you know a one one to five percent of them are looking around for other things but that one to five percent is monstrous compared to anything that we could drum up through any other method 100%. And this is the thing, it's like, you know, saying about the education, the the advertising, the getting people's eyes on something right next to what, it, what you're selling. It's like, if you're selling an apple, you know, selling it next to a guy who has a 50 foot tall apple billboard is better than selling it just in the middle of the desert somewhere, because... <laughs> People are going to come to that, and he's paid for that billboard, and you have. That's right. Now you can go. We well, don't want. Oh, he doesn't have enough pink ladies. I've got a barrow full of pink ladies. You came here for apples, and apples are apples. And personally, I think that the coming about of the old world will, on balance, be better for Hobgoblin than not. And it's partly. Right. I mean, like if if you know, let's say the book is going to be in stores in you know six months or something, like. If if I could say the one thing that I want, magic wand, the one thing I want is a global renaissance of rank and flank square-based miniature games for six months leading up to the availability of my product. Like that's essentially what I've got in this yeah. case. Yeah, well, yeah, one one hundred percent. Nobody was thinking about these kinds of games hmm. in the in the main war game space, and now at the at the very least, everyone knows that they are a thing that can exist today. Yeah, you you what you've now got is you've now got an international mega company advertising the idea of putting minis onto square bases and then pushing them around and having a fancy battle. I don't know if Glenn's heard about the fact that he has to rebase his dwarfs on twenty five mil. <laughs> 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 and they're not on 20 mil bases anymore that's a foul and wrong thing to have done no 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 if if you if you had rebased your armies for uh for age of sigma then maybe it's not so bad but if you were just holding on to your square based armies then uh... it's it's anyway a, we, it's uh, a birthright of dwarves on think... 20 mil bases so uh, i think an another thing another thing that i think about is like there are there, there are many ways of coming up with game ideas but like there are broadly two chunky easy to get your head around ways of thinking about like game ideas one is i want to create a better version of x so like 
like I played 40K, I think 40K has some problems. I'm going to create a better 40K. And then the other thing is to say, like, I'm going to go way out into west into into the west and 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 find the thing that just has got nothing around it and just be like yep this is going to be the like you know this is going to be the post-apocalyptic dinosaur you know skirmish combat with water and like that's going to be amazing because nothing else is like that and those are two like really you know both of those come from a knowledge of what the rest of the main populace of that funnel is playing and then making a distinction of saying okay i'm going to go after the people who like x but for whom x is not currently doing everything that it needs to or i'm going to go after people with this completely separate you know why thing which is like hey you've never even you didn't even even know why was a thing that could exist how about some why here yeah which i think which i think is honestly where where x-wing like that was one of X-Wing the miniature game's like strongest suits was like, there was just nothing like that out there. Obviously it had a super, super strong um, IP alongside mm. it. But I just think like that like dog fighting thing, particularly with movement templates was super niche. And suddenly mm. there was like, oh wow, a game that looks like this, this doesn't look like anything I know about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, in, in, the, in the Hobgoblin Discord and generally from people who've jumped on Hobgoblin, you know, it's been interesting to me how many times we've had to sort of explain things like what what a unit size is and, and how big a forest should be and how big a hill should be, because we came from an education of having played things like Warhammer Fantasy Battle. And I feel like if Warhammer Fantasy Battle had not died like nine years before Hobgoblin came out, those questions wouldn't be so prevalent. Mm. And I think those questions from the people who buy hobgoblin in six months time won't be there i think they will have i think there'll be people who've been educated by warhammer bored by the old world and looking around for something to do with the box of stuff that they bought in order to play old world and i think the number of people doing that will vastly increase the reach of something like hobgoblins to what it could have reached otherwise i, I think it's i mean one, one of the really one of the really fun things about it for me is that like hobgoblin very much comes from that first school of games design which is like you know i played warhammer fantasy there are some problems with it like i want a different game and anyone in my opinion anyone who's experienced the problems anyone who has the same problems as me I'm providing a pretty decent fix for those problems. Now, not everyone has those problems because everyone is different. And I think that for me, like this, this juggernaut arriving and casting a shadow over the game, it scares up a bunch of people who are going to buy these square base armies. They're going to play the game and some small percentage of those people will find exactly the same problems that I found with it. And then hopefully enough of a percentage of those people will discover by asking questions like, <clears throat> you know is there another way to play with these models and somebody will say oh yeah well hobgoblin does this that and the other and fixes these issues but like that's that's sort of a vector of people that i had given up hope on because mm. of the time between you know the last time anybody got frustrated with you know mm. which model is is fighting which model in the front rank which mm. by the way they they basically fixed so well done <laughs> Yeah, and that, yeah, I think so. I, I think so. I think that, like, again, it's like I'm trying not to feel d downtrodden or disheartened by this because there are many, there are many ways that, like, it's just, it's just creating, it's refreshing the top of the funnel 
at which the bottom of the funnel is, oh, and Hobgoblin is the exact game that I want. And it would have been a smaller set of people, and now it's a bigger one. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I think, like, to sort of extend it out a little bit to some of my own experiences, that people have often said, how do I feel about the fact that there are massive companies on Kickstarter who don't need, like, Kickstarter to, to, to make their game, oh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And what it says is, those people bring people who come to Kickstarter and join Kickstarter and sign up to Kickstarter and then are hanging around with mm. a Kickstarter account going, oh, is there anything else interesting out there? You know, those big companies are paying for advertising that is eventually going to filter down uh, to someone like me. I really think that it's one of those things where a rising tide floats all boats. I also think you know, you're stuck with it. It's not like you can go out there and knock on GW's door and go, excuse me, sorry, I've got this other game coming out that's quite similar to your game in a few months. And, you know, they kind of step on each other. Could, so could you just... No, 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 but I, I think if you flip that around, I think it, it, it for me, it's that anxiety and that uncertainty about, ah, is this, is doing something too close to a GW thing a problem? Or is it actually an advantage? And I think focusing on how can it be an advantage? Mm. What are the characteristics of a, of, a, of a product or a game that takes advantage of this situation rather than trying to fight it on its own terms? So like, for example, if you create a very deep, broad um, sci science fiction army battle game where it requires a lot of people like there are a lot of factions and the factions are very deep that requires a, a large number of people because otherwise you won't have enough people to learn all the factions and have those factions available for combat that like the game's scope will never be accessible accessible to the players that you can capture you know if you have two or three really deep factions okay now we're talking now we can get a meta going with a with a substantially smaller uh set of players so i think like thinking about well where am I in relation to this and those customers that might be available to me? And like, how am I making smart use of this rather than trying to fight them at their own game, which of course nobody's really imagining they are, but like from a games design perspective, you can definitely accidentally wander in that direction. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of, that's really where I'm, where I'm coming at this from. It's just a sort of walk away from this experience, making sure that I'm thinking positively and constructively about, where there is space in this community, in this industry for small people in little starfighters to nip through the gaps and, you know, and grab some of the loot. Yeah. And again, sort of, like I say, referring back to that interview that I was watching with the guy who um, ran sort of product design for GW is that he, they don't think they're in competition with, with people like us, you know, to them, people like us just don't literally don't sell any games like for the volume that they're interested in you know they they would essentially let us put a table in their shop so minor is the level of sales that, that we make in, in comparison to them so they don't think that they're sort of in competition with us they they realize that this is an ecosystem in which you know, they are a whale and we are a minnow and those two things don't fight each other. They don't even understand the existence of each other in a in a sort of larger scale way. And I think mm. that definitely, you know, you know, as I say, the education, the advertising, the people that GW are going to bring in. And I think if you accept your place in the ecosystem and you're like, well, now 
I'm, I'm sitting underneath the giant's table and I'm looking for something to eat and I can either sort of want there to be no giant and try and find food or I can have things dropping off of his plate uh, and have a mightiest feast that just happened to be fallen off of the, the giant's plate. <laughs> I think it's like, once you accept that you are a mouse, then it's like, yeah, I'd yeah. rather have the giant there. I'd rather... I, I honestly think it's yeah. Ima imagine if imagine if you had to if you had to explain wargaming to the man on the street and there yeah. wasn't you couldn't just say oh it's like that Warhammer thing that like Abs some nerds that you knew at school played and that Abs there is a no, absolutely one hundred percent and it's like I know that for for myself Saga and and you know uh, Test of Honor and you know uh this is not a test and so many other independent games owe my custom to the existence of gw if not for gw you know i don't know that i would be a miniatures gamer i don't know i'd be a board gamer or an rpg -er or a video gamer or something else i know that i was brought into the hobby by hobby by gw and i know that i have been a beneficial customer to a whole range of independent games by virtue of GW doing that. And I don't see why it shouldn't be the case for any other independent designer in any other independent game in the future. Yeah. So, uh, general <laughs> viewer, if you are like me and worrying about a game that you're working on, uh, why not tell us in the comments about, uh, about where you're seeing like either an opportunity in between a big game system and the idea that you've got or you're nervous about like, is there too much overlap? Like, am I, am I in a space that's already overcrowded? Uh, let us know in the comments. And um, uh, if the comments section is too small for you, why not come into our Discord, uh, where we can talk about it at length with a number of uh, 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 ever increasing number of wonderful games designers who are uh, discussing endlessly on this and numerous other topics. Um, you can find us on uh, where you can find Glenn on social media. I may return to social media in uh, in this upcoming calendar year, but where you can uh, uh, find me and where you can uh, support the things that I'm doing is on Patreon, uh, Patreon slash Planet Smasher Games. Um, drop a penny in the cup uh, to help me continue working on both this podcast and uh, many miniature games that I have in my head uh, and, and on my hard drive. Okay. And I think generally from this episode of Rule of Carnage, then this will be uh, goodbye. So Bye. thank you and goodbye. Bye.